Hi everyone, just want to welcome you all to the very first episode of Gay in the Straight World and I'm your host, Josepha. So I'm going to just take a look at the ridiculous assumptions and stereotypes that are made about bisexuals in particular, but not just bisexuals, kind of the, the general LGBT community and what we can do to kind of try and change the narrative and what we can do to fix people's assumptions. And maybe people don't want to change their thinking, but there are just ways that we can kind of combat it, I feel. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm 29 at the time of this, and I'm just kind of hitting that point where I don't care anymore, and I don't care who knows anything about me, and I just say what I feel and I say what I think, to the point that my partner, she's just always killing me for starting rows. But I don't mean to, it's just I've become very opinionated as time goes by because I spent a lot of my my teenage years being bullied for being different and a big part of that was my sexuality. And I, I feel like I've just, I've come so far that I've forgotten that I don't need to fight anymore. And that's a big thing is that the fight is still there because it, it's become a part of me, but we don't need that fight anymore. And... But for the most part, it was positive. Um, Yes, I was bullied in school. I had a lot of crap thrown my way regularly. Um, For example, there was an evening where I was playing spin the bottle. Um, I was with my boyfriend at the time. We were all 15, 16. And we're playing spin the bottle and I kissed a girl. And for the next two years of school, it it was just thrown in my face as abuse. It never got physical, and for that I'm eternally grateful. But the 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 mental scars that that leaves, the abuse that you get, it, it does it does take its toll. But as I said, for the most part, it's been it's it's been fine. Um, when I was in college, there was a few kind of comments going, "Oh, she's not boy, she's on the fence," or "Oh, she's not boy, she's undecided," or "Or she'll never admit to that. She she's only that when she's drunk." So. There and like I mean and all these come into the common misconceptions and and the stereotypes around bisexual people and who we are and what we want from life. And I suppose the biggest thing, even when I was in college, the biggest thing that kind of affected me and my life was the fact that they'd often talk about me behind my back because they felt that they could because no one felt that I'd be honest if they asked me the question. And there was one day that I walked into a classroom and um, the lecturer hadn't arrived yet but and everyone was chatting and laughing away and I walked in and it went silent and I thought it was just because they'd assumed the lecturer had showed up but it turns out they'd just been talking about me and as I walked in they were like oh f- shit fuck shit fuck let's shut up and I was like oh you know I leave the room so you can talk about me some more and I said it as a joke not realizing that they'd actually been talking about me and one of the girls who just decided Feck in Alaska was just like, Joe, are you bisexual? And I said, yeah, why? And the whole room just went silent and then everyone started laughing and one of the guys had to cough up a tenor because he'd made the bet that I'd never own up to it and that it was just a, it's just the way I was when I was drunk that I didn't care, I didn't have standards and, and that hurt because I'd never hidden it from them. I'd never been secretive about my sexuality. I'd, I'd been quite open the whole way through college and this happened at the end of my fourth year so it is quite a tough thing to go through when you realize that 
for that whole time they're probably talking about me behind my back calling me a liar and a pretender so it it does have its 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 downside I suppose but then and that's a big thing with people is oh oh she only does this when she's drunk or he only does that when he's drunk and oh they wouldn't admit to that when they're sober but no one asks the question and no one no one's comfortable asking the question because they're not comfortable what the answer might be if someone had no problem with you being gay straight lesbian bi even trans they if they'd no problem they'd just ask and if they thought they're going to offend you they'd apologize and they'd be like look I'm really sorry this is offensive but but that never happens and I'm guilty of that I'm guilty of not asking the question because I'm afraid of what might happen afterwards will I upset that person will it is it obvious are they out and I should know this are they not out and they'll be horrified if I ask and I've been through that with family members and friends and to the fact to the point that even in the past, there was a person that we were friendly with who was a trans female and had been living their life as a female in a different part of the country. And when they'd come home, they put on the facade of the man that they were born as and physically born as. And when their secret life of living as a woman in a different part of the country got out, they were ridiculed and shunned and just general insulting and disgusting behaviour. And I'm ashamed to say that I was part of that. But the part of me that joined in on that was the part that was kind of afraid to come out to these people about myself because I could see that they were bigots and I could see this bigotry shining through. And what I didn't like was that it came out through myself. And the more I think about this over the years, the more it makes me really kind of be shame ashamed and feel shameful for what I did but it also kind of makes me realize the journey that that I've taken and the journey that everyone takes because it's not just I'm bisexual this is it job done accepted it's uh, even though I was comfortable in myself as would have known if they just stopped talking about me for five seconds and talked to me and it's just and now I'm with my girlfriend for nearly five years and we're happy and we're settled and like I love my life the way it is. So to look back at the way I was 10 years ago and the bigotry that shone through just shows that we do all have it in us. We have the capacity for bigotry and homophobia and transphobia in us even if it's just to fit in and just to fit in with the people that are around us. Really not something that I'm proud of but it's something that I can admit and admit that it was a mistake that I learned from. But when I look at other things, then I'm just like, right, okay, I don't want people assuming this of me. And that's where I've decided to try and educate myself and try and educate others and at least start a real open and honest conversation about what it means to actually be the subject of those thoughts and just see if we can figure out a way combat them because I mean even just the they're in denial or they're on the fence the idea that a bisexual person is someone who just can't decide what they want is so offensive I mean I grew up thinking that it was normal I grew up thinking that the people who picked one gender were absolute nutjobs I couldn't understand it I couldn't understand these people who just shut themselves off to the possibility of loving people based on the fact that they're a girl and the other person was a girl. Like, I mean, who 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 does that bother? Does it bother them 
or does it bother their family or I just I just thought that it was in everybody to love everybody so to be told as maybe not as an adult but as someone in their late teens early 20s still developing still mentally developing but to be told that I'm on the fence and I'm undecided or that I'm just settling until something better comes along it's just so offensive and so hurtful because it means then that I was with the I was with the man at the time and yes I was openly bisexual but I was dating a man that doesn't mean that I've chosen a side that means I had chosen a person for that time in my life I'm now with my girlfriend nearly five years as I said that does not mean that I have now just finally accepted that I'm gay and committed to being gay it just means that I've found the person that I'm supposed to be with and that's it and that's what being bisexual is to me it is just finding it's just being with the person that you love regardless of their gender and I completely understand that a straight person will only be happy with someone of the opposite sex and a lesbian or a gay man would only be happy with someone of the same sex not something I understood as a child but as an adult I do and what I can't understand is why others don't just let you be why they have to make the assumptions of on the fence in denial and the the misconception that every bisexual person is up for a threesome it's unbelievably offensive to say that just because I am bisexual it does not mean I'm going to go cheat on my girlfriend with a man or if I was with a man that I cheat on him with a girl it it does not give you a free pass to do what you want if you're in a polyamorous or a polygamous relationship, that is different. That is a consensual agreement between a couple. It is absolutely, completely different to cheating. However, if you're not in a polygamy, in a polygamous relationship or a polyamorous relationship, it is cheating. Regardless of gender, it is cheating to be with someone other than your partner, unless it is an agreed upon situation or agreed upon circumstances for you and if that's what you want then that's fine that's that's your decision and I absolutely 100% respect that if it makes you happy if it doesn't make you happy then that's a different story but regardless of your happiness levels or your or how sad or how unloved you feel or how loved and how cared for you feel it's never anyone else's anyone else's business and that's, that's something that has really, really irked me with this entire process is that the more I look up and research the different topics that are facing the wider LGBT um, community, it just seems to be written by straight people who have decided that based on one conversation with one person where that person probably censored themselves, that they're an expert. And no one is an expert until they have lived through it or until they have pushed the boundaries and and spoken to everyone that they can and gotten to know everyone's story. You don't know the trauma that has been inflicted on someone because of their their sexuality. You don't know the sexual harassment potentially that a bisexual has gone through because they're with a woman and it's been pushed on them that oh it's because you haven't found the right man and that's happened to me I, only only summer 2018 sorry 2019 I was actually cornered in a kitchen at my friend's house party and told that all I needed was a good c and two and was trapped in that room and I couldn't get out I had to open the kitchen window and roar out the window for help 
well, not for help, but I felt like it was heading that way because I was made to feel so uncomfortable in that room. I was trapped. It was quite an, someone who was quite a good bit older than me, so it wasn't a stupid young person. It was someone who, who knew exactly what they were doing. And then they're like, oh, there's no crack in you. So it was meant to be a joke then when they didn't get their way. And I mean, I was lucky. That was just a stupid drunk person pushing the boundaries and seeing what they could get away with. But during this process and during my whole, I suppose, market research for this podcast, I've spoken to several people who've actually been sexually abused for this. People who have dared to be themselves openly and who have dared to just do whatever they want and be with a member of the same sex or say out loud in front of people that they are interested in in members of the same sex have been raped for this and they have been abused and they've been beaten and many have been killed. And the gay village murders in Toronto are, are... one of the biggest, biggest um, tragedies that the LGBT world has seen portrayed as a kind and loving grandfather and father. When he was in his 40s, he came out, uh, just out of nowhere, came out to his family, told them he was gay and straight up moved to the gay village or as the locals call it in Toronto, just the village. And the village in Toronto is basically a small area of the city where it's predominantly gay people living there. Um, It's basically one of the only safe spaces that was there for gay people in Toronto in the 60s. And they all flocked to this place. And over the years, it was just, it, it was a safe haven for people who couldn't uh, come out to their families or who wouldn't be safe in their homes if they ever came out or revealed their sexuality. In fact, most of the people at the time of the murders were Middle, Middle Eastern men who came from Islamic backgrounds who just absolutely couldn't come out to their family for fear of the backlash and the abuse and violence that they'd be subjected to. So in 2003, MacArthur was arrested for the first time after he assaulted a male prostitute with a metal pipe and he was given a two-year conditional sentence and part of the sentence was basically that he would be required to stay away from male prostitutes. He could not be found within the vicinity of the gay village and he wasn't allowed to use poppers because they felt that they would lure him back in. And he worked as a landscaper during his time in Toronto. And basically what he did was, and it's so vile, but after murdering the his victims, he would, he would dismember them. And he would actually hide some of the body parts and the bodies in plants in plant pots on their properties or in the nearby river and everyone just called him an energetic man he was joyful he had he loved plants he loved his children and his grandchildren and they he just hid his dark side so well but over the years more people kept turning up dead and in the end um there was fears within the village that they were being targeted by a serial killer And what happened in the end was that MacArthur's own partner 
Andrew Kinsman went missing and the police have never actually announced why MacArthur became a suspect or what led them to him but we do know that the day Kinsman disappeared the last place that he was seen was getting into MacArthur's car so basically over the years they'd kept setting up task force and closing them down setting them up and closing them down but then they even in 2017 at the point where there was now at least eight men either dead or missing the police were still saying that there's no evidence of a serial killer that they couldn't prove it either way and this absolutely destroyed an already fragile relationship that the LGBT community within Toronto had with the police and when they did track uh, Bruce down for whatever reasons that they had in the end they actually walked in on him attempting to murder his ninth victim so he I'm not going to go into the details but I'll put the link into the show notes underneath but they they basically saved this man's life and because this man survived MacArthur um, he's only referred to in all of the documents as John we don't know his real name or if that is his real name but MacArthur was attempting to suffocate him and as this was happening the police knocked on the door and broke in and part of their evidence collection at the house they actually found a USB device that held nine different folders eight of which were the victims' names, and the ninth folder was named John, who was the the victim that he was trying to take as the police knocked in. And during their investigation, they actually interviewed people who were friendly with MacArthur over the years and who had tried to press charges in the past, where one of them had actually been lured into the back of a van, which was coated in plastic, almost like a killing room. And he he survived and that that's the main thing was that this guy survived but when he tried to bring charges against MacArthur he was MacArthur was brought in for an interview but he was never charged which just kind of adds towards the lack of caring that came from the police at the time for LGBT matters. When finally arrested and charged uh, they were looking at they, they had decided that he would be facing life in prison. That was without a doubt. The only thing was each murder would carry a life conviction. But at 66 years of age at the time, they were trying to decide whether or not it would be consecutive or if he would be eligible parole in 25 years. But due to a clause in the law in 2011... They would need they, there would be no el- eligibility for parole should they charge him for first degree murder of all of all deaths at trial. So MacArthur decided that he would just plead guilty. So he pled guilty to the eight murders of which he was convicted for first degree. And basically then they offered him the chance of parole in 25 years. Now that will make him 91 before he even stands a chance at being let out. And even if he had been younger, they doubt that he would ever get parole just because of the fact that he was a danger up until the day he went in and had he not been arrested, he would have absolutely without a shadow of a doubt continued to murder people. As of right now, it's only two and a half years on. He's obviously still in prison, but he will not be eligible for parole until he's 91 years of age. 
though given his current health status not been the best, they reckon that he won't live that long and that he will see out his days in prison. Unfortunately, this is yet another kind of misconception that is created um, of gay people within the media based on these kind of one-off chances that when you've lived your life in secrecy that you turn into these horrible adults whereas the, the real truth is that someone like him would have been predisposed they have to like it would it did not come from the fact that he left he led he lived his life in secret or that he didn't he waited till his 40s to come out hiding for 40 years does not a serial killer make and he was already in in trouble with other violent acts as they found out after the after his arrest for the murders but it's just it, it's yet another way that people brush off things it's like oh he did that because or he abused them because and it's nothing to do with the fact that they're a secret closeted gay for most of their life it's the fact that he's predisposed to it because of whatever other actions he took in his life whatever else drove him it did not come down to just his sexuality on why he killed eight people and attempted to kill a ninth so I suppose to just try and maybe lighten it up a little bit because I mean it is it's hard to talk about these things because I mean that uh, he was only arrested in 2018 he's only in prison two and a half years these are such relevant topics but it's because it's because of situations like this that we need to talk about it. We need to get the word out there that we're not all like that. I mean, just as my partner is a gay woman who waited till her 20s to come out, that doesn't mean that she's going to turn into a serial killer because she has all these repressed feelings from being a teenager and not being out. And that's such an important thing to remember is that no two people are the same. I mean, I had aspects of my life where I wasn't out even though I didn't even realize it until I had my coming out story but again that doesn't make me predisposed to violence for not being out in these certain scenarios and it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean anything that the media wants to tell us when MacArthur was arrested the storylines read gay man murders gay serial killer takes lives and I mean, would they say straight man? Would they say straight man does this? And they wouldn't. And that's that's something that we really need to kind of try and kick from the from the modern psyche. And we need to take back that narrative and we need to show, okay, a gay man and a straight man. If both are serial killers, then just say serial killer. And I mean, I know that's a very dark way to look at things, but that's kind of where I'm trying to bring this. It's get rid of the unnecessary adjectives get rid of the unnecessary bullying get rid of the need for there to be a gay village where it is the safe haven I mean right now Toronto and Greater Canada is a very accepting wholesome place for the most part from what I know again I don't live there so I can't speak from personal experience but it does seem to be far more inclusive than it would have been in the 60s when the gay village was established so in this modern day, even in 2018, 2014, when these murders were taking place, they should have been safe. They should not have been targeted 
just for their sexuality, just because this man wanted to murder gay people. It's just a crazy, crazy reason. And actually over the next few weeks, I'm going to be speaking to different members of the LGBT community, them who identify as different sexualities, uh, even as different genders, non-binary, and it's it's just going to be bringing together other people's stories, other people's experiences, and giving them a platform on which they can tell their story and get it out there so that we can raise awareness of these issues so that we can protect the next generation from going through the same hardships that we have because even as I said I'm 29 and my generation have not gone through nearly the amount of hardship that my parents generation or before them would have went through so it's trying to give a voice to this generation and it's trying to it's trying to just help people going forward and it's been so amazing to even just share my story but due to the sensitivity and the the trauma that my guests will have been through throughout their lives um, I am going to be putting them up on the Patreon so they will be part of the paid for subscription and you can get all the details of that over on patreon.com forward slash gay in the street world. And I mean, I know I started off this saying that I was bullied in, in secondary school slash high school, but I also, I, I really want to make it clear that I did not have it as bad as a lot of people had it. I had the mental and the verbal abuse, but I, it never got physical in school. And as I said, I'm eternally grateful for whatever higher power might have been looking out for me in school during those times. But I really need to make it clear that just because I didn't have a bad time of it doesn't mean that that is the norm I can only speak my truth and that's why I'm looking for people and I'm looking for their story so they can come out and speak their truth on a medium that we can reach as many people as we possibly can and create that safe environment for people to be able to talk and start a conversation and I'm not trying to change the consciousness and I'm not trying to get up on my soapbox and stop everyone from their homophobic thoughts or their homophobic ways I'm just looking to start a conversation and see if we can get people on the same page and if we could just change one person's mind that's a miracle and that's so worth it in my eyes but just to get people's stories and people's truth out there is so important for me. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. And if you're interested in following me on social media, my handle is Ake in the Straight World on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find my blog over at gayinthestraightworld.com. If you want to support me through Patreon and get access to all the amazing interviews that I have coming up, you can find that over on patreon.com forward slash gay in the straight world. See you again next week.